Well, good evening, everybody. I hope you've had a great week. And uh, this is my first time. It's been years since I've been in this little room. Uh, for the past couple of weeks, I've been on vacation, had a great time. I've been out with the students out there playing ball and, and taking advantage of the free food. And uh, so now it's my turn to be in a high chair. And I haven't been in a high chair since I was a toddler. So uh, pray for that I get up there all right and can get off of it, okay? But let's start with a word of prayer tonight, okay? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for Wednesdays. Uh, Lord, you've uh, allowed churches to gather all across this land on Wednesdays, all across the globe, for a midweek charge, a midweek pause, uh, a refreshment time. And Lord, there's many here that are gathered tonight that have had a tough week so far. There's those in here that's had many blessings this week. And we rejoice and we pray at the same time. Lord, our, our land is broken. Uh, decisions have been made this week. And honestly, Lord, we don't know what to do but to seek you. There's, there's racial tension. There's, there's police tension. There's... There's all these things that, that we're aware of, but we can't seem to find the solution. But Lord, your word teaches us in so many ways what the solution is. It's to repent and to follow you and to trust you. So Father, I pray that people will continue to, to pursue you and to look for you and to seek you and find you. And Father, you said in the Old Testament times, that if we will humble ourselves and seek your face, that, you will, that you'll come and forgive us and heal our land. And Lord, in this New Testament era, I pray that you'll do the same. But Lord, give us, the church, the wisdom to walk, uh, to talk, to teach, and to be an example of your love and your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness. And Father, I pray for me tonight that you'll use the words and the the scripture that you've given me to, to not only challenge myself, first and foremost, but to challenge the others as well. Father, help this staff to lead this church where we're supposed to lead them, to serve in a mighty way so that uh, they in turn will serve, other, serve others too. But Lord, I pray for those that have had a tough week this week. I pray that the the burdens will be lifted and that a greater amount of trust will be gained through this experience that they're going through. And Lord, those that have been blessed this week, we rejoice with them because Lord, we know that every good and perfect gift comes from you. So help us, Father, now to just set aside the, the world and our troubles and to focus on your word and to be encouraged by it. In Jesus' holy name we pray these things. Amen. So when I was a young man and got saved at the age of uh, 16, um, I, was, I know looking back now, here we go, pray for me, I'm coming up here. Uh, I, I would have instructed someone to read the Gospel of John first and not Luke, but I fell in love with the Gospel of Luke. Um, my parents have a, a strange um, fascination with doctors. Uh, they love and respect doctors highly, and so I think that's probably why when I found out that Luke was a physician, that that kind of tempted me or encouraged me to, 
to look at the Gospel of Luke. But, uh, so I've studied it quite a bit in my 40 plus years of following Jesus, and I, and I love the Gospel. And so I found 11 particular verses. The last time I was with you on a Wednesday night, we talked about uh, John chapter 17 in the prayer there. Uh, but tonight I want to look at 11 other instances. Now, don't get scared here, okay? I don't have an 11-point sermon here. I don't, and you're not going to be here past 8 o'clock tonight, I promise you. Um, no, you won't be here past 7.15 or 7.20 if, it's, if it all goes as planned. But there's 11 examples of prayer that Jesus prayed um, that helps us get to know who he was and how he did his ministry. And at the conclusion of it tonight, you know, Pastor Mike has something at the end of all of his sermons for the past several months. Do you know what that is? It's the same screen every week. What is it? The daily use. The daily use. Okay? So when we're done tonight, I want to look at these 11 prayers of Jesus and learn about Jesus. But also I want us to ask ourselves, okay, because Jesus did this, what am I supposed to do? How can I do this? And so hopefully it will be a, a greater uh, understanding of Jesus and his desire to pray and how he prayed and how we should pray as well. But Charles Spurgeon, uh, this is the first quote I'm going to tell you tonight. I've got some others at the end. But Charles Spurgeon uh, had an interesting quote at the top of your sheet tonight. I hope everybody's got a sheet. And I hope you brought a pen or pencil. And, and, and men, I hope your wife has two pencils in her purse or two, two pens. If not, I'll, I'll, th I'll loan you mine. But, oh, there we go. Okay, now I want this back because this is a North American Mission Board pen, and I really like it. So I'll loan it to you. I have a bad habit of taking off the but I won't. Okay, all right. Now I'm going to have to crawl off this thing. Here we go. Here we go. I'm not going to throw it. You might try and dive for it or something. Okay, so Charles Spurgeon said, though, infinitely better able to do without prayer than we are yet Jesus prayed much more than we do how interesting how he was in, how probably and I, I agree with that that he would infinitely probably be able to b do without prayer better than we yet Christ prayed much more than we do so turn in your Bibles to the, we'll begin I put them in sequential order so that we'd kind of start at the beginning of Luke and kind of finish up at the end but if you'll look in Luke chapter 3, verses 21 through 23, uh, you'll see that uh, 21 starts with the baptism of Jesus, and then it continues with the long genealogy of Jesus, which is very important for us uh, to understand. But we won't go through all those, the son of and the son of things here. But I want us to start in verse 21 here. It says, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, you might want to underline that. As he was praying, something happened. Heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love and with you I am well pleased. See, for you see in, in the, number one, if you're going to fill in the blanks with me tonight, prayer preceded Jesus' anointing for ministry. Prayer preceded it before it actually happened. Now, I was baptized on Easter Sunday 
1980, my senior year in high school. I waited two and a half years. It was way too long. And the reason I waited two and a half years is because I didn't understand the significance of baptism because I was told by my parents that it was essential for baptism. And I was told by the Baptist church that I had received salvation first and then get baptized. And so I spent two and a half years in this la-la land that I did not understand until my uh, youth pastor sat in my truck and began to disciple me. And so I was baptized that day. And I didn't have an audible voice from heaven like Jesus did when he went down into the water and came up. But I had a spiritual voice, a spiritual pat on the back and it was as if God said, okay, now you've done what you're supposed to do. And I began to understand scripture. I began to this long journey of being called by God, being given a personal ministry to teach other teenagers. And then that led to being youth, Michelle and I working as, as youth leaders in the church and then becoming a youth minister at the church. But God honors obedience. And when we look at it, it all begins with prayer. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was being baptized too to set an example. And as he was praying, heaven was opened. Heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. Jesus knew when to pray. And it precedes a lot of things that we need to do in our life as well. Now turn to Luke chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. Now you're not going to listen to me all night tonight. If you guys want to volunteer here, I'd love for somebody to look at Luke 5, 15 and 16 and, and read those two verses. I won't make you read 8 or 10 or 12, but if you feel led to read two verses, I'd love for you to read tonight Luke 5, 15 and 16. So if you're looking at point two, Jesus prioritizes withdrawing from prayer amidst ministry. Now, what are our priorities in life? Ricky Chapel, what's a priority you have in your life? God first. Okay. All right. Now, that's, that's a good answer. But I want us to also think about other priorities in our life. I mean, that's good. Okay. We start off good. Kids. Kids are a priority. Your wife, family. What are some other priorities in our life? It's okay to say your job. Yeah, it's a priority. Well, it was a, you did have a job. I know what you did. Sure. So, our, so what you're telling me, Ken, is priorities change in the chapters of your life, which is so true. So true. Back when you were a young man, priorities was finding a girlfriend, and then you found one. Okay, so then your priorities changed. It became not finding a girlfriend, it was keeping a girlfriend. And then after that, it was getting her to marry you. Our priorities all change. But Jesus' priority, what we find from this scripture at this particular point in his ministry, Jesus' priority 
was to withdraw for prayer amidst what he was doing. Whatever is priority in your life, it's very important that you withdraw and spend some time with God. Now, Pastor Mike taught me this back in 2012. It's called a day with God. Has anyone ever done a day with God? Or has anyone ever... I know, Patty, you have. All the staff has. Michelle has. All the pastors, pastors' wives, deacons. Uh, a day with God is an interesting time. It's a time that you set aside to withdraw and spend an entire day reading Scripture, praying, and listening to what God would have you to do. And it's so important to withdraw and, and silence the mechanism and stop the craziness around your world and say, Father, help me to find you and what your will is for my life at this particular time, whether you're a young man, an old man, or somewhere in between. But Jesus has prioritized many times withdrawing for prayer. It's not just in this scripture, it's all through scripture that they would be looking for Jesus and he'd be off alone with the Father. And we must do that as well. Number three, go to Luke uh, chapter 6, verses 12 through 16. That's four verses. Luke 12, Luke 6, I'm sorry, 12 through 16. All right, I'm going to read. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night, he continued in prayer to God. When's the last time you've done that? And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve, whom he had named apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew his brother, and James, and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. But Jesus prayed before choosing his disciples. He didn't just look those one day and just said, oh, I think he'll do. I think this person has the physical attributes, the leadership skills. He has the, 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 the qualifications. He has the right certifications. Jesus didn't choose the 12 with head knowledge. He prayed all night long before he chose the 12. I find that interesting. Number four, go to Luke chapter 9, verses 18 through 26. Okay, wait a minute. Did I tell you something wrong? Did I tell you Luke 9, uh, 18 through 26? Excuse me. Oh, you're fine. I got worried. I thought I'd made a, a big boo-boo on my typing. And I had eight. Excuse me. I will find nine, 18. Uh, okay, here we go. Watch when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowd say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah. And still others, that one of the prophets that long ago has come back to life. 
But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, God, Messiah. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. But whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life will me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the Holy Angels. Thank you. So let's look back at verse 18. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked him a very important question. Jesus prayed for his disciples to understand who he was. Jesus spent a lot of time praying that the disciples would come to the understanding of really who he was. Now you think about it. Can you really fathom the Son of God in human form? Can, can you really understand it? I can't. I can't. I can't fathom all that God is in human form. And for him to be born the way he was, and uh, for society, how many of you in here are um, skeptical about a lot of things the older you get? Oh, yeah, a young guy over here said, yeah, I'm already skeptical. Hang on, you're going to get even more skeptical. Because experience will teach us uh, a, a lot of things that don't trust everything, but we need to trust some things but verify even that. Um, but Jesus prayed for his disciples to understand who he is. And as he was praying, he gave one of the most incredible um, verses of Scripture that I, it was probably one of the verse. Besides John 3.16, Luke 9.23 is probably my next verse that I memorized in my life. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And I have been trying so hard since when I was 16 years of age and read the Gospel of Luke to apply that verse in my life, to deny myself take up my cross as Jesus did and to follow the Lord. And um, I find this passage very, very interesting that he asks, who do the people say that I am? And, and Peter makes this great confession. But well, let's turn now to Luke chapter 9, 28 to 36. We're just going to jump two verses further. Um, it's Jesus' transfiguration, right? Uh, how many of you have a smartphone in here? Okay, get on Safari or your internet right now. Just just get on it real quick. And it won't. You okay? Are you sure? Well, use our Wi-Fi. Okay. Um, here, I know mine will work. Ricky, come here. And you know how to use iPhone. You're not an Android guy, are you? No. Okay. All right. Type in the word transfiguration. Just get in trans in there, and it'll probably show up. Say what? I just want the definition. Okay, some of you sharp boys in here, find the <laughs> definition of transfiguration. A complete change of former appearance. 
Okay, say that again real slowly. A complete change of form or appearance into a more beautiful or spiritual state. So this is what happened with Jesus. But it's important, and I want you to keep that uh, ready, Josh, for later. Okay? So Jesus is transfigured here, starting in verse 28. And we're going to read through 36. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, James, and John, his closest disciples, Peter, James, and John with him, and went up onto a mountain to do what? To pray. And as he was praying, he appeared, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. And two men, Moses and Elijah, now, who are they? The big shots in the beginning, yeah. Yeah, some, some very prominent, yeah. Sure. So, as he was praying, the appearance of his face changes, and his clothes become as bright as a flash of lightning, and two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. And Peter and his companions were very sleepy. They had a sleeping problem. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. And the men were there, were leaving Jesus. And Peter said to him, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And he didn't know what he was saying. But while he was speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son in whom I have chosen. Doesn't that sound a lot like when he was baptized? Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone, and the disciples knelt, kept this to themselves and told no one at that time what they had seen. Jesus is transfigured while praying. find that interesting. Number six, Jesus led... To the Jesus' prayers led to the disciples' desire to learn to pray. Jesus' prayer led to the disciples' desire to learn to pray. So, go in your Bibles to Luke 11, 1 through 4. How many of you can quote the Lord's Prayer? Yeah, we all can, can't we? But look at verse 1 and then go through 4. You're up. Right. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. Okay, so what happened here? Jesus was what? 
praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of the disciples said, tell me how you did that. Show me how you did that. How many times have you asked your father, show me how you did that. You remember pe people in your lives that have showed you how to do things? You thought you just learned something new? Jesus' praying led to them wanting to have the very same desire as well. Jesus' prayer has always made a difference every time he prayed. Well, now go to Luke 22, 31 to 34. Jesus prays for his disciples again here in 31 to 34. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go both to prison and to death. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times that you know me. Jesus prayed for his disciples' faith not to fail. And he's praying for you today that your faith will not fail. Because when, what happens when our faith fails? What happens when our faith fails? Well, say what? Sure, sure. And Satan gets the victory. Look, Simon, Simon, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. You ever felt like you're sifted like wheat? <laughs> Maybe your prayer life's not where it should be. When we don't pray, a lot of other ingredients come into our lives. Number eight, go to Luke 22, 40 through 46. And when he had came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed even more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down from, to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping again for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. So the, question, the, the, the little block that you need to fill in there is Jesus instructed his disciples to pray that they might not enter into temptation. Jesus is still praying for us today that we won't enter into temptation. I believe <clears throat> that we live in the land of temptation today. It's everywhere. And we must understand that Jesus is still instructing his disciples to pray. And he's praying for us that we may not enter into temptation. Number nine, Jesus prayed for the Father to remove the cup of suffering and death from him. Look what he prayed in Luke 22, 41 and 42. And he withdrew about a stone's throw, knelt down and said, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me, nevertheless. So in that prayer that we just read, 
he also asked for the cup of suffering and death to, to go away from him. Number 10, Jesus prayed for the Father's forgiveness of those who would crucify him. Look at Luke 23, 32, and 34. Who'd like to read that one? Just two verses. Come on, you young guys. I've asked you to read all the time Sunday school. Don't be afraid. Luke 23, 32 through 34. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. So instinctively I'm a fighter um, I just kind of grew up that way if some if there's an injustice or if someone's coming against my initial reaction is to to defend and protect and yet Jesus tells us to turn the other cheek Jesus tells us if somebody steals something from you give them not only what they're trying to steal but something else as well and in this instance even at his death when they're trying to kill him, Jesus prays for the Father's forgiveness of those who are going to crucify him. It's a whole different level, completely different level. And the last thing, and the last thing that Jesus did in his earthly life before he was resurrected and brought back in a glorified body, the last thing that he did in, in number 11 here is Jesus entrusts himself to the Father with a final prayerful breath. Jesus entrusts himself to the Father with a final prayerful breath. Look at verses 44 and 46 of Luke 23. It was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, and when the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice said father into your hands i commit my spirit and having said this he breathed his last so the lessons that i want us to look at tonight for us are this what's the daily use for us if i'm looking back at number one if jesus's prayer was what preceded his anointing for ministry what ministry has God called you to be in? I want you all to really seriously think about what your ministry is. A lot of times we can get caught up in just filling a position in a church, finding a committee member, uh, finding a Sunday school teacher or a, a youth counselor or a youth worker, all these things. We would much rather have someone who is prayerfully asking God for an anointing of a ministry. What is my personal ministry? I would really want to encourage you guys to think about that. Pray uh, courageously and ask yourself, what is my personal ministry for now at this particular point in my life? Whether you're young or old, there's a certain ministry that needs to be accomplished here in the church. Jesus set the pattern by allowing prayer to precede his anointing of his baptism and his, and his anointing of ministry. We should do the same as well.
Number two, Jesus prioritized withdrawing for prayer amidst the ministry. When you find your ministry, when you're actively doing your ministry here at the church and in your work and, and out wherever you go, when you're in the midst of that, you've got to find time to get away from everything, withdraw, and pray in the midst of that ministry. Number three, Jesus prayed before choosing his disciples. How many of you pray before choosing who you closely align yourself to? Or do we go with just a head knowledge, I like this person. This person seems to have the same uh, interests in life that I do. Or this person, you know, likes Trump. Or this person likes Biden. Or this person, you know, we can come up with amazing ways to find similarities to become friends. But do we, do we pray before choosing who we closely align ourselves with? Look at what Jesus did. And look at what happened. Those 11 disciples changed the world. Think about what it would be like for us if we prayerfully chose who we closely aligned ourselves with. Number four, Jesus prayed for his disciples to understand who he is. The Great Commission tells us what? All authority on earth has been given to me, Jesus said. Therefore, go and make disciples. See, you can't get out of that. None of us can escape this command. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. And so he says, he sets that precedent. So what I'm about to tell you, I've got all the authority to tell you this. You guys go and make disciples. Jesus prayed then for his disciples to understand who he was. We need to pray that the people that have, have, that have come to us to be discipled, that they understand not only who Jesus is, but even beforehand, that they understand who we are. If you can't share with someone your real priorities, what your real truth in life is, then you just have a very shallow friendship. But when you begin to allow people to understand who Jesus is and who you are in Jesus, intimacy happens. Friendship happens like you've never had before. Now, Jesus was transfigured by praying. Josh, what was the definition of transfiguration again? Complete change of form or appearance into a more beautiful or spiritual state. Do you think you can ever be transfigured? Have you ever been transfigured? Has God ever used you to a point where people saw you in such a different way because God, the Spirit, was working through you and you were saying something or doing something or doing something that was so... Read the definition again. A complete change of form or appearance into a more beautiful or spiritual state. How many times have you read in the scriptures where Jesus said that you're a new man? All things are new that his mercies are new every morning. See, if there's nothing new in your life, if there's nothing fresh in your life, it should tell you that you're stale and who you're, that you're stale and you've drifted away from the living God. But when we closely align ourselves with godly people and we're closely aligned to the word of God and we're praying, we are transfigured. 
just the way Jesus was. And we have the power to impact others because he said, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And I'll be with you always till the very end. If we could just get that down, we would be the most victorious church that we could not, we couldn't build enough buildings, we couldn't send enough missionaries, we couldn't, we couldn't make enough space, we'd have more baptismal services than we could even imagine if we would just follow that simple command to go and make disciples. So what does that look like? You tell someone about Jesus and then you keep telling them about Jesus and then you tell them some more and you, re you rebuke them or you correct them when they're wrong and say, no, 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 gently correct us. No, 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 it's not wise that you do that because the Bible tells us this is what we're supposed to do. When we disciple people, when we get into the relationship that Jesus had with his disciples, amazing things happen. Even transfiguration happens in our own way. Jesus' prayers led to his disciples to learn how to pray. Do you know what the two greatest fears in the church is today? Speaking in front of anyone and praying in front of anyone. But Jesus' prayers led the disciples to learn how to pray as well. Are you a, pray, are you a person of prayer to the point where someone can come up and ask you, teach me how to pray? I'm so scared about this situation. I don't know what to do in this situation. Not will you pray for me. Teach me how to pray like you pray. That's when you know you're doing the Great Commission. Number seven, Jesus prayed for his disciples' faith not to fail. Are you praying for your disciples? Or are you just get to the point where you get frustrated with them and you say, I give up. They're on their own. I've told them, I've told them, I've told them, they won't listen to me, so forget it. No. Jesus prayed for his disciples' faith not to fail. Look at Peter. <laughs> he didn't give up on Peter. In fact, he restored Peter. And Peter did a lot. Number eight, Jesus instructed his disciples to pray that they wouldn't enter into temptation. How many of your loved ones has entered into temptation and fallen? fallen. Just think about it. How many of you know someone that you love that's fallen into temptation? We have the responsibility, like Jesus did, to pray for those that they may not enter into temptation. Even if they're just sleeping and lazy, they still, Jesus still prayed for them. Jesus prayed for the Father to remove the cup of suffering and death from him. You've got to be bold enough to pray and ask God that he'll remove the cup of suffering from you and possibly death, but also be like Jesus and say, but it's not my will, God, but yours. If this is the end of my life or if this is the suffering that I must go through, I'm willing to do it because my Lord did it as well. Jesus prayed for his Father's forgiveness of those who would crucify him. How many of you have enemies in here? Anybody got any enemies in here? Huh? Oh, the, none of you have enemies. How many of you have enemies in here? Huh? Yeah. Are you praying for them the way Jesus did? They don't know what they're doing, Lord. I can't hold it against them. They just don't know what they're doing. And the last point of our lives is this. 
we have to entrust ourselves to the Father with a final prayerful breath. I hope you live a long, long, prosperous life, and I hope at the end of your life you have no regrets. I hope you can be like Jesus and say in a final prayerful breath, into your hands I commit my spirit. I've had the opportunity to be with many people that have gone to be with the Lord. It's just part of the ministry. And it's very encouraging to see those that have faith, and it's very discouraging to see those who do not have faith and do not have a relationship with Jesus. But I pray that all of you at the end of your days will have a final prayerful breath and say into your hands, I commit my spirit. And you know what? I could beat most of you here. You know, you can beat most of you there. I don't know. We just don't know. But I want to close tonight with this. There's been uh, two people in our church right now that are struggling with COVID. And uh, uh, Jerry Lampley is, is, is critical. And Ken Avery has had a long battle with, with this since December, I believe. And is slowly but surely making him back to his feet. But I would love to pray for those two. Um, that God would spare their life if it be their will, if it be his will. Uh, and that if not, that they can have a final prayerful breath that says, Into your hands I commit my spirit. That's right. Renee's sister-in-law is struggling with it as well. I don't remember her name either. Yeah. So, um, Ken, you and I have been through a lot for a lot of years. I'm going to ask you to pray for these people that are struggling with COVID, and then we'll close for tonight, okay?